0: Where's Eric? I need Eric. I don't need the camera. I need to talk to Eric. Is Candace okay? If it's going to be about maligning my f-ing husband, you don't want me here. Michael Darby is available for that. The ass grabbing motherfucker that likes to actually make people feel uncomfortable. He's available for that, not my husband. <laughs> to another episode of Everyone's Business, but mine with me, Cara Berry, Housewives Edition. I think tentatively, as of now, I'm just going to be talking about Potomac and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. No shade to you, Salt Lake Sweeties. Maybe it could be at the end for all I know. I mean, it's really anyone's guess. When I hit record onto this, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to happen just as much as you guys don't either, frankly. <laughs> and I wish... That was uh, less of a truth than it actually is. But you know what? It's my truth. And uh, we're all just going to have to deal with that. Myself included. So let's get started with Potomac. What an episode. I feel like... I was going to say this really feels like Giselle's villain season. But I kind of feel like in some ways... We could say that about every season that Giselle's been on this show. But this time... It's different. She's DQing something different because even her uh green-eyed bandit in crime can't really sign on and co-sign to what it is that she's doing. And it's getting embarrassing at this point. So let's talk about it. So we pick up where we left off last week with Giselle versus Mia. uh, Cancer, no cancer. What do you have, girl? Um, And her Instagram, right? And basically, everybody starts playing hot potato, right? Robin's like, Listen, we're not going to sit here and act like Giselle and I were the only two people in this whole planet that thought that your post was weird because Ashley said something. Karen said something. So did Candace. But I would like the record to reflect. Like, we see a flashback of what Candace says, which is straight up, um, I don't believe what Mia posted, right? And Ashley caused some things, too. Listen, can would it be fair to say that um, Karen is just smarter than the rest of the women, and she's not taking the bait, and is not willing to go down the way that Giselle and Robin are. Sure, but you know what? She kept her side of the street clean, in my opinion. She said, "Listen, Mia's post was different, but like that's not really my business. I'm just gonna be here to support my girl. Um, so it is what it is. Y'all can't stick the ground down on that one. Not on my watch. Okay." Then, (laughs) the best thing that happened is that Jacqueline, Mia's quote-unquote best friend, according to her Chiron, sticks up for Mia and is like, hey, you know, I don't like how you guys are doing this. Like, this is really inappropriate. She was really going through stuff. And Wendy is like, I'm sorry, who are you? (laughs) And I genuinely think that Wendy was not really trying to be shady. I think she legitimately was like, I... I'm not sure who this woman is. Can somebody get me up to speed? (laughs) And I loved it. Thank you, Wendy, for that. That was basically all we saw of you. Um, So thank you. You did it. Then my girl Katie appears. My girlfriend and (laughs) Ray's Katie appears. And she's got... No hair. We're done with the wigs. Um She m- hopefully left them in the ocean back in the Cayman Islands. Thank God. She looks great. Green eyes ablaze. Ready to play. They kept cutting towards Ray, acting like he was like checking uh, Katie out from afar, from the other side of the uh, spring into life celebration of life taco party. And I don't think he really was, but I appreciated it. But When Katie actually gets over to Ray, she is squeezing Michael Darby, squeezing ass and really got in there on Ray's cheeks. And, you know, that was a lot. That was a lot for me to have to realize. Speaking of Michael, and I hope to not really have to ever do that much in my life. Amen. Uh, (laughs) Ashley has her friend over to Concrete City, that penthouse. Right. And I love this chick. Not enough to rewind and figure out what her name was, but I feel like she'll be coming back on our screen um, because she really, she really delivered for me. Ashley's telling her, because they, I guess, know each other through like being moms or whatever. So Ashley's telling her the arrangements right now with, uh, michael which is that they she sleeps in another room with one of the kids and he's got his other room but they're also doing this like playing house thing they're talking about the kids they're sharing a roof together so it's kind of a blurred line situation and this girl says well maybe michael's in like a cheaper to keep her thing with you (laughs) which is like yeah yeah I think that's true. I feel like white people don't know that song. But, I mean, you get it, right? Like, it's just cheaper to keep your wife than to divorce her because it'll be expensive, right? I mean, it's a pretty easy concept. Good song, though. Great song. Also, Ashley slipped in that they're looking at houses in the $2 million range, which was, you know, the only question that I needed to answer from this whole situation. How much money are we really trying to spend here, really? Could Ashley... I mean, if Ashley was telling the truth that she's not spent her money for the entirety of this relationship, or at least the entirety of her being on the show. I feel like you should be able to afford a $2 million house. Like you should be able to put down a pretty good down payment on that and not really having, have to worry about your mortgage, but okay, Ashley, whatever. I don't know. For those of you guys who are watching the watcher on Netflix, did you guys like hear all this conversation about houses being bought under an LLC and think about Ashley? Because I did. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> what happened after that? Okay. Um I also thought like her her attitude towards moving on and Michael moving on was quite interesting. One thing about Ashley, I really should look up what her star sign is. She You can say what you will about Ashley. Excuse me, but her ability to keep a smile on her face, like, she does have that Patrick background, and I think we need to remember that. But her ability to, like, smile through, you know, just being married to Michael Darby on its face seems like something worth, like, sitting in a corner and weeping about for the rest of your life. But her ability to, like, be very easy breezy about how, yeah, I think Michael... When I move out, we'll probably have another chick in here pretty quickly. And I'm going to be moving on myself. Uh, good good on her. Good on her. Then we get to Giselle and Robin. They get together. I think this may have been my favorite scene of the episode. Because I just loved Robin holding Giselle accountable. Because I feel like Robin is the only person who can really hold Giselle accountable. in In the sense that, like... She'll be like, oh, yeah, I really fucked up. I'm sorry. Like, she'll break down why she fucked up. We don't really see that much out of Giselle with the other woman. So my other favorite thing about Robin this episode is that she pulled out (laughs) a Tony's Chocolonely chocolate bar. Do you guys know what that is? Some of you do. Shout out (laughs) to... shout out to those of you who are fans, but Tony Chocolonely, they're so good. Um, They're these gigantic bars that kind of look almost like Willy Wonka, like like they have the seventies font and they're just very like all the wrappers are super colorful and they do come in smaller ones, but I usually they come in these like thick hunk of chunk of bars. They're really good. You guys, if you can find, they're expensive, they're expensive. I will tell you that, but uh, I think it's like $5 a bar at the cheapest, but Get one. My favorite one, I think, was the one that Robin was eating. It comes in a blue, uh, blue uh, package, and it's a chocolate. I'm acting like I don't know. The reason why I don't know is because it's standing too far away from me. Because I bought one, I saw it on the. <laughs> I saw her eat one, and I was like, I need one. So let me... hold on. Let me just get it. Okay, and it's it's in a dark label, and it's a chocolate pretzel toffee get your life y'all. Thank me later. They're really good. Anyway, she was going in on that gigantic ass chocolate bar before they even actually ate, <laughs> which was pretty iconic. But Robin holds Giselle's stovepipe legs to the fire pretty much elite immediately and is like, "Hey girl, I heard you uh outed the fact that only my name is on our uh the house and not one. Why did you do that?" <laughs> and Giselle's like, "You know what?" As soon as I saw their reaction, like, I thought everybody knew. But as soon as I saw Karen and Ashley's reaction, I knew I had fucked up. She's like, I'm so sorry. Um, And Robin's like, yeah. And you need to remember that because next time I could maybe spill something of yours. How would you like that? And and Giselle's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, thank you. (laughs) Please, please don't do that. Please do it, Robin. Do it. Do it. I want to know. So then Robin explains in a confessional that the reason why only her name is on their home is because after their last foreclosure, Juan's credit hasn't recovered. So they just figured it made more sense to leave him out of the situation. So then this moves into Giselle claiming once again, that Ashley isn't actually getting a divorce from Michael because they're buying a house together. And Robin kind of checks her and is like, you know, I'm just not really comfortable with us doubting our friends stories like i just don't really want to go down that road with mia i just think like what you did it was a matter of delivery it definitely definitely could have been different so giselle then tries to or decides to uh text mia um, an apology but it was really Via Robin, it's basically just like you know our conversation went left. I'm really hoping we can talk. My delivery was horrible. Let's talk later, right? So then Robin brings up the fact that while she was shopping with Ashley a couple days ago, Ashley told her that she got a DM from Brown Penis, Chris himself, Candace's husband, at 2:42 in the morning. So he responded to her. She was out with a girlfriend. And they were at some other venue, hotel, bar, whatever, lounge. And he responded, you should have come to the W, which is where he's the general manager at, right? And so Ashley is telling Robin in this flashback, like, that's just really weird, right? And who was he at the W with if it wasn't Candace? So Ashley had no idea that, Can- that uh, Chris actually works there so she tells her like oh he's the general manager you know I-, I don't really think it was that big of a deal so then Ashley changes the the whatever she like moves the goalpost and is like oh well you know I just... My issue was that Candace wasn't there. It's like, well, Candace is not going to be everywhere every shift that, that Chris works, period. So Robin's like, listen, I wouldn't have taken that as anything other than Chris just being friendly with me, but... Ashley's like, well, I just really feel like I need to tell Candace, which I actually think is fine. But then Robin says in a confessional, like, we need to get down to the semantics of it, right? It wasn't like Chris DM'd Ashley out of the blue. He was responding to something that she posted, right? So then Ashley tells Robin, well, you know, regardless of whether or not he was just responding or he was DMing me, something about it felt off. Then Giselle reveals that Chris also slid into her DMs or has over in the past in multiple occasions. And that he at the last reunion had asked for a private conversation and she was like, you know, I thought it would be fine. I thought my glam team was still in the room. It would be no, nothing untoward. Right. But she's like, you know, nothing happened, but he was drunk and everybody was gone. When I got to my room, all my glam was gone. Um, You know, and he was just sitting there complaining about Candace. I don't really remember what he said, right? So Giselle says in a confessional, like, I would never be in a closed room with a married man because I've had my husband cheat on me. I just don't even want to have the optics of me being in a cheating situation. Yada, yada, yada. He just asked for a private conversation, though. And Robin and myself and I think the rest of America don't really see the issue with that. Giselle, however, seems to think that Chris was complaining about Candace, behind closed doors in order to gauge whether or not Giselle might be down to entertain um, taking a tour of his brown penis and how brown it is. Giselle, girl, (laughs) come on. The thing that's really, I mean, I don't think anybody really thinks that this is real. I think pretty much everybody is on team Candace and Chris about this. However, the fact that Giselle is like, well, I don't even remember what he said, then, okay, what are we talking about then? You know, like, you can't remember what he said behind closed doors, then, not to like, I was gonna say victim blame, but she's not a victim, because nothing happened. And, and by her own admission, he did not do anything inappropriate. She just felt weird, which is fine. We're all allowed to have our feelings. But I also feel like if you can't even remember what he said, then it probably wasn't that dynamic that, For you to be accusing him of like, fishing or trying to see if you were interested in fucking him. Like, I just feel like personally, if my friend's husband took me behind a room and I got the impression that he was trying to hit on me, I would remember what the fuck he said. (laughs) You know what I mean? Our next scene is Mia having drinks with Gordon and lunch with her, uh, Gordon and her, uh, best friend, Jacqueline, her alleged best friend. And Jacqueline tries to ask, like she tries to kind of throw Karen under the bus a little by ask, excuse me, y'all, asking Mia if she feels like at the celebration of life taco party that Karen was trying to CYA or cover her ass, c- cover your ass, right? And get puts a little bug in Mia's head that maybe, just maybe, Karen was like riding the fence that she actually is on Giselle's side about thinking that Mia's cancer is fake. But she also just doesn't want to get in the mess. And uh, Mia reads a text message from Karen, <laughs> which I actually thought was funny text message literally being is on the way to the celebration of life taco party. <laughs> and Karen's text says, Hey girl, just wanted to invite you to my party. She's like, I'm already on the way, but okay. But then it goes on to say like, basically just, Hey, the girls have been having a conversation. I want to give you a heads up. They've been talking about your posts and you know, I just want to let you know. What I will say is fair. Um, is that, uh, I, Mia brings up the fact that Karen did not say this to her until she was literally on the way to the party, but they had met each other in person a couple times since Karen had that conversation with Giselle and didn't bring it up until right before the party. I'm like 85% sure that Mia is about to fuck up her relationship with Karen. And I'm looking forward to that. And I hope you guys are too. (laughs) So anyway, then Ashley and Candace meet up and Ashley decides to like tell her Hey, girl, I got this DM from Chris. Basically admits in a confessional that normally <laughs> Ashley would have brought this up in front of everybody. But Candace has made it very clear. Like, if you got an issue with me, bring it one on one. Don't do this uh, performative shit like you usually do in the other seasons. And Ashley actually decided to listen. <laughs> and you know what? Good on you, girl, because who knows what would have happened? Maybe you would have gotten dragged just like Monique did. Anyway. Um, oh, should we talk about Monique? Let's talk about Monique really briefly. Um, So during last weekend, BravoCon weekend, which I think is worth mentioning, it had come out that this was on People. People is a pretty reputable source when it comes to talking about things like and breakups and stuff. Like they don't tend to just post things that are just rumors, right? They tend to keep it pretty solid, right? So the People comes out with an article saying um, that Chris and Monique had uh, separated, blah, blah, blah. A couple hours later, they're on Instagram stories together, like a united front. She's flashing her engagement ring her wedding ring and what now. She's like, we're fine, right? And then suddenly it was like, Oh, y'all don't want to, he- you know, y'all don't want to, y'all listen to all these rumors. Why don't you come to our YouTube channel and you can hear it from us? So apparently, okay, the first thing that happened is that Ashley was asked about Monique at BravoCon. And she said that uh, Candace and, or excuse me, that Chris and Monique were taking a little bit of a break. And then this article comes out and then they're denying it. And then they go on YouTube or I didn't go to the YouTube because I felt like this is like some stunt behavior. It just seems like y'all are trying to bring attention to yourselves while during Bravo con. Right? So apparently what they said is that they don't live together <laughs> and that they're like working things out and they're living in separate residences. That's a separation girl. So why are you acting like we lied? That's a separation. If you're living apart and working through things, what am I not miss? What am I not getting? Anyway, Monique. I'm glad she's not on the show. (laughs) But I also will say, like, I just, I don't hate Monique. And I saw, definitely in her last two seasons, Monique reaching out to Chris and being like, I don't have enough help what she was really saying is like i am the mother and you're basically checked out of our family and raising the kids and chris was just like oh why don't you just hire somebody ha, ha ha bye i'm gonna go play golf and i honestly think that like this her stress at home was not something that she was really willing to entertain for the cameras but it showed up when she and candace got into that fight at the barn you know what i mean so i've personally been feeling like uh monique has made it very clear that she's really unfulfilled in her marriage and that chris just like doesn't give a shit but she was willing to play the game and be the not for lazy mom and like be the you know whatever football wife and now here we are y'all are on youtube saying that we're losers even though y'all don't even live together so what are we supposed to make of that monique Anyway, Candace starts out very confident. She just came back from the Grammys. She's talking about how it's a networking opportunity to, for her because she's still a freshman in the music industry. And I just loved her description of the re-release of her album Deep Space, Deep Space Deluxe, cuz <laughs> she describes the album as it being about relationships and talking and seeing and being seen. I love that. <laughs> my album's about seeing and being seen <laughs> i i really love that i'm not even kidding so that actually brings up the dm from chris and candace is like okay so what did you think of that dm and Ash's pivots real nicely she's like oh well i don't know i thought maybe he was trying to holler at my friend or something like i don't know And then she says that she just wanted to make sure she told Candace because, you know, what if Candace starts looking through Chris's phone and he sees the DM and then she's feeling some type of way that Ashley never came to her. Okay, fine. Right? But Candace is like, okay. Like, she is sitting there with, like, really nothing to say, which I don't think we've ever seen out of Candace. But she's like, okay, um... He's the general manager. I could definitely see why if you didn't know he was working there, you would think that was weird. Like, I get it. But I'm choosing to believe that what you're doing now, Ashley, is not shade. (laughs) I'm going to give Ashley one benefit of the doubt token. That's it. So Candace tells Ashley, like, I appreciate you coming to me. But the truth is that Chris is trying to rebrand the view. He wants notable, but basically he wants people with big followings to be there and to be posting from the party. All of this makes all the sense in the world. You want influencers. You want her doing her little tic-tac dances on the bar, like whatever, all the sense in the world. Nothing about this seems very weird to me. So we lead up to the big cast event for this episode, which is Ashley, Ashley, hosting a heels, sexy dance, legs, hips, and body um pussycat dolls, whatever, <laughs> class with the rest of the ladies. Karen calls out sick. Giselle calls bullshit on that immediately because we find out that at the Celebration of Life taco party, and I will call it that for the rest of time, um, Therese, who was invited by Robin, not not uh, Karen goes up to Karen and is like you know I really want to renew our friendship let's talk let's start getting things back in motion and Karen was like absolutely <laughs> only to find out that Charisse had been trying to text her and getting contact with Karen and Karen's been blanking her since the celebration of life taco party and that sorry that just makes me <laughs> laugh it really does Giselle says that she thinks. Karen just called out sick because she doesn't want to be in the same room as Sharice because she feels like Charisse has some tea on Karen that Karen doesn't want outed. Then Ashley pulls out some uh, non-alcoholic rosé or champagne or whatever. And she's like, does anybody want this? And Giselle goes, no, I sure don't. Do you have some of the real stuff? <laughs> Robin tries to facilitate a conversation between Ashley and Giselle about the divorce of it all. And Giselle being like, You're not getting a divorce, girl, what are you doing? Giselle's like, I wasn't trying to be accusatory. I just take divorce very seriously. Like, like Ariana was sketch comedy. And she's like, you know, one way one minute you're saying that you're divorced, next minute you're saying you're buying a house. And Ashley actually gives it right back to her, like, I'm sorry, didn't you not also go back to your ex-husband? And Giselle's like, Well, yeah, but 15 years later, I'm like, well I think it might make more sense that Ashley's having this back and forth while they're still kind of together and living together than you uh, getting embarrassed by Pastor Holy Whore again 15 years after you freed yourself. I don't know. Uh, That's just a little bit more embarrassing to me. And also, do you guys remember when (laughs) after that reunion and Monique pulled out her binder about Pastor Holy Whore, he went on a YouTube uh like live stream and pulled out his own uh receipts or whatever but basically he just had to sit there and admit that he had cheated on Giselle hell of times and the reason why they broke up is because he was talking to some other bitch so you know <laughs> I think equally you guys have been embarrassed by the men that you uh married or were attached to so maybe let's just call it even So Ashley says to Giselle, we're in two different situations. Michael has not cheated on me and had another baby. And Giselle's like, he hasn't cheated on you? Ashley goes, well, not recently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The bar. The bar's below hell at this point. It really, really hasn't. So finally we get the ladies are doing their little dance and it's all sexy, I guess. Although Cherise said that she got a Charlie horse, like bending down maybe six inches so there's that um but then they get done and giselle's like you know what candace i need to talk to you one-on-one so they sit down in the dance studio and giselle's like you know i just really wanted to talk to you quickly in light of the fact that you know ashley got a dm from chris and candace just looks at her and is like all right where are we going with this Giselle? So Giselle says, there was a situation in which Chris made me feel completely uncomfortable. And at this point, I just feel like I need to talk to you, Candace. So Candace is like, okay, what happened? And Giselle says, well, we were at the reunion. We were in the hallway. We we're talking. And he says, Hey, can I talk to you in a room? And I said, cool. Cause I thought my glam was there, but then we get to the room and the glam squad was gone. And I just immediately felt like I didn't want to be in this situation. So Candace asks, did he do anything? And Giselle says, no, he didn't. <laughs> and so now Candace is like, okay, what happened then? <laughs> and Giselle's like, honestly, Candace, it was really late. It was a long day. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I can tell you, I don't want to be in a room with a married man. And then she says that the next day she had told Cal, who is her friend, hairstylist, glam person, part of her glam squad, She told Cal about it the following day and Cal put the battery in her back and was like, that's weird that Chris would have uh, asked you to go back into your room because Chris said bye to me. He knew uh, that all the glam team was gone. But this doesn't mean anything, right? Like, unless... Giselle said to Chris we can go to my room because I know the glam is there there's really nothing suspicious about it maybe Chris was just like oh we're going back to her room I don't know like really unless Giselle was like we can go back to my room because there are other people there and he knew that there weren't people that's the only thing but we don't know that She didn't say that that's what he said or that's the conversation that they had. So at this point, Candace is looking around the empty dance studio and is like, "Okay, is this what we're doing? (laughs) This Chris is going to be attacked now. This is what we're doing. And then Candace is like, Giselle chris thinks the world of you he likes you he likes ashley he likes robin you guys have been to our home you've had a beverage you've had his food he would take his jacket off if there was a puddle to um help you and to keep you from having to to walk in it so what are we doing here did he make you uncomfortable giselle and she's like yeah a hundred percent And then Giselle says, listen, Candace, I understand that that's your husband, but you can't diminish how I feel. And Candace cuts her off and she starts looking directly at the camera, like total fourth wall break. And she's like, what are we doing? What is this? (laughs) And Giselle's like, well, I'm just telling you how I feel. And Candace is like, "Okay." she gets up, walks out of the dance studio without saying a thing. But when she hits that hallway, where's Eric? Where's the producer, Eric? Get the camera out of my face. Let me get to Eric. So she goes into a bathroom. Eric is following behind her. She's like, if this is going to be about maligning my fucking husband, I won't be here. Michael Darby is available for that. That ass grabbing motherfucker who actually makes people feel uncomfortable. He's available for that. Not my husband. <laughs> and then we get hit with a to be continued. And I love that. I really love that. Candace also went on Twitter after this and had a beautiful tweet thread. Let's hear it. Well, the first tweet says, I haven't said anything yet, mostly because I've been in the land of Bravo having the time of my life, like being at Bravo Town, right? But episode two has come and gone. The first and most relevant thing I can say is that it's hard to say anything at all because I hashtag support women. I hashtag believe women and I support hashtag me too. I can't tell a woman how to feel about a man's presence in her orbit. We're entitled to our feelings and they should never be diminished or questioned. It's why the most appalling part about this episode and those that will play after is that watching a feral gutter snipe attempt to, un- excuse me, attempt to upend and dismantle these pillars that women have worked so hard to establish all in the name of what all in the name of entertainment. Where have we landed? How exactly are we here? You're not a victim. What you are is a calculated slab of misery, creating the next generation of snipes through the fine example your children have to mirror. We're all in danger. (laughs) And then she tweeted a separate tweet after that. When you have to explain to your children why a woman would use a network and a television show to falsely accuse a man of inappropriate behavior, call us. Until then, sit it out. Bets are off. (laughs) <laughs> and then I saw just another tweet that I had not seen before. This just happened what earlier today or yesterday um where Chris had responded to All True Tea on Instagram. He wrote on this comment. This was uh the clip of Ashley talking to Candace about Chris responding to her Instagram story, right? So Chris responded under that post. That's a funny picture. The actual story I responded to was of her and Robin, Ashley and Robin, at a bar three blocks away. And Candace already knew that I sent Ashley a quote-unquote DM because I told her right after that. That's what we mean when we say quote-unquote editing. And then Candace retweeted that. So it turns out that... (laughs) According to Chris, he wasn't responding to Ashley kicking it with her friend. He was responding to Ashley and Robin, which makes all the sense in the world as to why Robin is like, I don't feel like this is weird at all. I feel like this is perfectly okay. I've never felt uncomfortable with Chris. And I really appreciate her like fully not wanting to ride this narrative because it ain't good. It ain't good. And I feel like we've seen in the past Giselle, or excuse me, Robin ride for Giselle when she didn't need to just being a good friend while giselle did some bullshit but i i like really appreciate appreciate her and i'm sure Gandis does too for being like i'm not gonna engage in this i'm not even gonna participate in it i i don't agree with you guys and i'm not doing it so whew, y'all let's move on to salt lake city nope beverly hills
1: <laughs> mom deserves better than a drugstore card
0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: Is there something that you wanted to clear up or say to Diana if she were here today. Oh, I don't need to clear anything up.
0: No. I mean, I think we're very clear on our non-relationship. Y'all, when I tell you I am so glad we have one more part left of these bitches before I need a break (laughs) i need a break before i'm gonna break down it's exhausting it's exhausting i honestly think like with no sense of irony or exaggeration whatsoever that this may have been the most i was actively annoyed watching any episode of any housewives ever maybe ever honestly so let's get into it it starts off where we left off again with Garcelle pleading with Diana to stop being a fucking weirdo and to just leave her alone and stop speaking her name on Instagram. And then Diana accuses Garcelle of calling her evil, which according to Diana is the worst injustice that's ever been done to her. The worst name she's ever been called. Garcelle has to remind us that the only reason why she called Diana evil is because Diana called Sutton a cunt. (laughs) And now we have to have a debate about which word is more offensive, evil or cunt. And wouldn't you know it, the Fox force Four just out of nowhere seems to feel that evil, the word that Garcelle used is an offense far worse than being called to see you next Tuesday. How convenient is that? Then Diana accuses Garcelle of also calling her soulless, which Again, let the record reflect that Sutton actually called her that. And when Andy asks Sutton if there's anything that she would like to say to Diana, she's like, uh, no, there's nothing I want to clear up with her. No, I mean, I think we're very clear on our non-relationship. <laughs> Amen to that. Then Diana has to part her dry lips of hers to be like, you know, I'm just really hurt because of what Garcelle said and Garcelle, me probably every black woman that watched this just threw up her hands like, you gotta be fucking kidding me like, why am I in it? See how I get thrown into stuff? I never did nothing. Diana tries to cry like, Jax is a sweetheart and he's a sweet son of the earth and whatever the fuck she said and nobody would ever go after him and I declare lawsuit. Okay. I declared lawsuit yesterday against whoever did these bots. And, you know, we're going to get to the bottom of this. My privilege is that I have the money for lawyers for that. So we're just going to find out who that is. Then Erica sticks up for Diana. But honestly, I didn't really give a shit. And then Andy tries to figure out what it is that Diana said on Instagram when she was harassing Garcelle. But Garcelle paid her exactly what she deserved which is dust and it's like honestly i don't want to talk about her i don't want to bring anything up i don't want anybody (laughs) to talk about me because i talked about diana like please let's just cut the wi-fi on diana cut the cameras dead ass and i really hope we never have to deal with this woman again Woo. So the cast goes on a break and Erica and Renna do this two person improv about how everybody's kids on the cast have gotten death threats against them. And they're just so shocked that Garcelle would think it would be any one of them. And you know what? I think these bots were designed to divide us. That's exactly what they were designed to do. And then Dorit and Kyle are doing a two one on one themselves over in Kyle's dressing room talking about Crystal and how they feel like she's trying to CYA cover your ass with um, Sutton and all of the stuff with that and how um, Kyle's like such a mean girl like this is what happens when you don't tell the truth you can't keep her story straight well okay we'll keep that same energy for later with your friend Lisa let's do that anyway then we have to dedicate at least 45 seconds of a segment dedicated to like Kyle's new tattoos which felt really unnecessary Kyle's the clip package was about her daughter, Farrah, um, and her relationship. Some dude that we've never fucking met before. <laughs> Who cares? Um, and then, uh, what else? Like a conversation between Erica and Garcelle that Kyle was, her name came up. That had nothing to do with her. What are we doing here? It, her, the part of her segment was Erica and Garcelle going back and forth because Garcelle said, don't be Kyle. That that was part of her storyline? I'm confused. Anyway, then there's a whole segment about Dorit and Mauricio and whether or not they're fucking. Apparently they're not, which is disappointing, frankly. And then PK and Mauricio's friendship, which, again, really doesn't have anything to do with Kyle. And then here's something I found interesting. Given last week, I'm sure many of you saw this, but if you didn't, Uh, Erica did some sort of watch what happens live, I think. And the question that was asked to her was, who do you think is going to be the next couple to break up? And she said PK and Dorit. So during Kyle's segment, Erica turns to Dorit, who she's sitting next to and is like, do you mind if I tell this story? And then she proceeds to tell a story about how back in the day before Dorit and PK got together, erica was in berlin for the world cup or something and uh she ran into pk she was with a girlfriend pk was with whoever and they got to talking they're just like joking with each other just you know funny banta or whatever and pk apparently asked erica and her friend if they were porn stars but she pitches it like it was just like a jokey conversation that they were having it wasn't anything that made her feel uncomfortable. Like this is in a Giselle and Chris situation. Right. And then Dorit says, I actually don't think I even knew that story. I feel like what we just witnessed was part one. And then the watch what happens live thing was part two to Erica and Dorit having some kind of, um, situation agreement or whatever to, drum up some storylines for each other for next season like it's just not adding up for me how is it possible that Dorit would have never heard that story before especially when Erica turns to her and says can I tell the story and Dorit says yes Make that make sense like I don't like to dig too deep and have these weird conspiracy theories but like literally Erica was like can I tell the story and then after she told the story Dorit's like I don't think I've heard that before How, how is that possible and then Doree was looking pretty annoyed by Erica telling that story. And it just felt like, again, sowing the seeds of like having a fake uh, discord between them. I really, really believe that. Moving on, we get to Garcelle's package and all the accomplishments that she's made. The big, the three Bs, really. The Birkin, uh, the book, and her beach house. I love it. She talks about how in part of her book, she recalls a story about an encounter that she had with Bill Cosby and how she had just turned 18. She had worked from this model agency. He kind of plucked her out of there, gave her a small part on the Cosby show. Then he invited her over to his townhouse to like work on scenes or work on acting or whatever, gave her a glass of Sambuca. She took one sip And she was like, something about this doesn't feel right, and uh, ran out. Lisa does this, in my opinion, very performative, like, oh, Garcelle, you're so brave, you're so lucky um, that, you know, that's really was trusting your gut and listening to it and, you know garcelle mentions oh that actually was the name trusting your gutter you know whatever was the name of the chapter where she talks about the story with bill cosby something that lisa probably wouldn't have known because we find out that when erica posted a picture on instagram with garcelle's book in the trash it was actually lisa who did that and erica just posted it under her stories later Something about the way this whole thing came off just felt really gross to me, like starting with Andy asking Erica if she had at least skimmed the book before she threw it away. And then Erica looks over at Lisa and Lisa's like, well, I have to admit that that actually was me. So Lisa says that the reason why she did that was to retaliate at Garcelle because they had a handshake agreement that they would never discuss children. And then Garcelle mentioned something that happened on the show with regard to Amelia, a conversation that they had had what maybe two seasons ago where Garcelle was asking if she thinks that maybe, you know, her weight or whatever, maybe contributed to Amelia's anorexia. And I would also like us all to remember why that conversation happened. It wasn't just because I feel like people forget that Garcelle didn't just ask her that out of nowhere. She was sharing her experience with her son, Oliver, and his uh, substance abuse issues. And just like the guilt that she felt that maybe she contributed to that. And in trying to connect with Lisa, Maybe insensitively, and she's fair to find to feel that way. Asked her like, "Do you feel like you know looking back that maybe you could have contributed to your child's uh, situation?" Right. Um, so then, I don't know. Like, I just really didn't like it. I, I just, I didn't love it. The so Garcelle tells the full story with the book, right, which is that. Uh, her publisher got a call from Lisa's attorneys. And so, right before the book was going to release, they made an agreement to take Amelia out of the second edition of the book and also the audiobook, like make no mention of it. And then they said that everything was okay with them from there. But I'm confused and I should have looked back. So, did Lisa then put Garcelle's book in the trash after that? after she says that they were all okay or was this like in the mix of it before she got the lawyers involved that's what i would like to know so then we get to why erica decided to post it on social media on instagram and we find out it was because garcelle had used like some promo for the show you know the clip where she told erica i don't need to make you look bad you can do it all on your own she used that as promo for her book the caption of like you know what is not going to make you look bad or what would make you look bad if you don't pre-order my book, right? Erica didn't like that, so she was like, "Okay, well then I'll post the uh, the thing in your in the trash, right? Your book in your trash." Okay. Then we had to spend a whole bunch of time more than I think was ever necessary on whether or not uh lisa recycles or something or like recycles properly and then they're all just key keying over harry hamlin or whatever while garcelle's just sitting there watching erica and lisa and kyle and andy like laugh about proper recycling techniques like who gives a shit <laughs> Then Lisa tries to do some sort of gotcha thing with Garcelle over the fact that she had recently filmed with Lisa Vanderpump and that Oliver, her son, works for Vanderpump in Vegas, although not sure if he still does after his wife outed him for cheating on people while he was working. But anyway, we'll figure that out later. Um, But honestly, luckily for Rena, Vanderpump was wearing such a ridiculous outfit in this picture that she showed or that they showed on the screen with uh, Vanderpump and Garcelle it was hard to really concentrate what is with <laughs> why does Lisa want to look like a magician Vanderpump like at first I was like okay does she know that she looks like a magician does she know that she looks like early 90s Paula Poundstone but at this point she has to know How do you even find a red satin vest? How do you even find that? Like the magician store, right? Like, (laughs) how do you even find clothes like that, Lisa? I'm just so confused. And, oh, she looked like (laughs) somebody during Moulin Rouge or something. Like, I don't understand what she's doing. (laughs) But this isn't about Lisa Vanderpump. Not yet, at least. Moving on to Rinna's segment, dealing with the loss of her mother Lois and also lashing out at Sutton all season because of it. And I had to kind of let out a little chuckle when after all of these sentimental moments about Lois, you know, we're going back and forth, Andy and Lisa about this. Andy like dead ass asked Lisa, did Lois ever watch the show? And when she says, yeah, she goes, what did she make of you? (laughs) So Lisa's like, you know, the one thing about Lois is that she never made me feel bad or she never made me feel less than, and I'm not going to say anything except for just in my memory, I was thinking about how Amelia was talking last year about going through some mental health issues and how she had reached out to Lisa and Harry for help and they weren't there. And so she had to get her housekeeper to help her and like take her to the hospital or whatever. Anyway, next is Sutton's segment about her clumsiness with her words and I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Aside from the things that she said about Dorit, which I will agree was objectively horrifying, like really awful, I don't really care about the other stuff. Like I'm really not going to ever give a shit about rich people fighting, about which one had to go pay for the other one to go to a rich party with Elton John. You know what I mean? Like there's no stakes in that for me. I, I don't care. So Sutton says that she feels like She'll probably regret what she said to Dorit until the day she dies. And then it's really like the worst thing that she's ever said in her life. And then Andy brings up Kyle getting physical with Sutton, you know, when she grabbed her arms and she did it last season too. Um, And I'm not really one to like throw around the abuse stuff, but the way Kyle reacted was like typical abusive boyfriend. First, she's laughing when Andy brings up the segment. She's looking over at Sutton and like just like, ha, ha ha, chuckling. Sutton doesn't think that shit's funny. And then, um, Kyle, Andy brings up how Kyle getting physical with Sutton, and somebody, some listener uh, or viewer rather, wrote in a question about how, uh kyle putting her hands on sutton could compare to brandy putting her hands on kyle back in 2015 and they played the clip from that which i thought was very per- pertinent So first when andy brought it up like i said kyle's laughing and then she says oh well the situation with uh brandy was different than the situation with sutton but uh rolling it back it didn't really seem that different because Kyle was the one who put her hands on Brandy first and Brandy was like get off me <laughs> and the fact that it wasn't like she pushed her down the stairs it was a platform it was a foyer that was on a platform like a single stair let's talk about and um she just happened to be closest to the stair I'm not trying to like make excuses for Brandy but Brandy was reacting to being touched Brandy did not go for Kyle for no reason like brandy was leaving with kim walking out the door and kyle comes for her and grabs her by the shoulder and brandy's just like get the fuck off me which is probably something that i would have done it's a reaction to somebody putting their hands on you so uh yeah i mean the difference i guess is that sutton didn't retaliate that's the only difference that i saw so then Kyle's excuse is like, oh, this is just how Sutton and I joke and I grab her and she's like, oh, don't do that, Kyle. And by the way, she had a bruise on her before she got to that party. Like all of this is just like hitting in real weird angles for me personally. So Sutton stops her and is like, "Um, actually, that wasn't a bruise on my arm. That was somebody's makeup. And Kyle's like, okay, well, my point is that I didn't hurt you. <laughs> and Sutton's like, no, you actually pulled on me pretty hard and you also didn't help me with my discussion with diana you pretty much immediately jumped into her defense you didn't try to help me at all and you said i was lying about having my two miscarriages so then they ask if andy asks if anybody feels like sutton was trying to make her miscarriages about herself or if she was trying to relate to diana which is a wildly unfair question like what the hell it didn't stop Dorit though did not stop from Dorit from answering it and saying yeah I do think she was trying to make it about herself like fuck you guys fuck you guys because at this point y'all have seen how everybody reacted to Kyle denying um, Sutton's experience and so for you to like think it's okay to be like yeah well yeah I do think she was using it for her own gain like fuck you that just is like kind of like with Mia over in Potomac. Even if you feel that's true, I just don't think, you know, just don't go there. I just don't think you go there. And also that's like so gross. And also it's like not for you to say, definitely not for you to be so confident about. All of that, I just thought it was like so icky. And I did not like Dorit this entire episode. And it really like, it's getting to a place in Dorit and I's very personal relationship that I, I can't. I can't. Like, her and the Balenciaga head to toe looking like an alien on the stage with a wind chime, with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis' chic wind chime, can only do so much. Not with the way that you're acting. Not with the way you're acting now, Dorit. I can't take it. (laughs) Then Andy really got messy by asking Garcelle if she felt like Sutton tends to make things about herself, and Garcelle's like, um, you know, a little bit, if I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Which, figure that out before or between yourselves I guess I will tell you though Lisa, Erica, and Dorit's reaction were they were all looking at each other like pigs and shit like they were so pleased that Garcelle said that and honestly like I wish that Garcelle hadn't said that because I just feel like it gives them some court, sort of am, ammunition and I don't like that I don't like, like that okay so then Andy asks Erica why she feels like Sutton is a liability to Garcelle and Erica just is like, oh, well, you know, I just feel like she rides for Sutton so hard it it interferes with our relationship to, you know, our, our ability to have a relationship with Garcelle. And Sutton's like, uh, I definitely feel the same thing could be said of literally all the rest of you except for Crystal. So Andy's like, actually, that's a really good point. Like, Lisa, don't you feel like Erica might be a liability to you? Because you stick up for Erica more than Garcelle does for Sutton. Thank you. Garcelle brings up another great point of, i never ushered Sutton out of a party the way that Lisa did for Erica. And so Erica tries to brush, brush things off and is like, well, maybe you wouldn't do that. But Erica did that, for or Lisa did that for me. So we're all different, I guess. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but this is a hypocrisy and the bullshit that everybody is frustrated with when they watch Beverly Hills is that, you guys are playing by two there are two different rules like you guys can do whatever the fuck you guys could protect each other and that's all well and good but you guys act like personally offended by garcelle and sutton having a friendship that you feel like interferes with your relationship with garcelle no it doesn't no it doesn't and it really shouldn't so erica like actually crystal actually was like the four of you guys meaning Kyle, Erica, Lisa and Dorit, protect each other just as much if not more than what you guys are claiming about Gartner, Cell and Sutton and I'm like thank you Crystal I said last week I was just really hoping that Crystal would just keep going just keep going with her point and really take it there and we're starting to get there we're starting we're starting then Andy announces that Twitter user Kathy Hilton's notes <laughs> ask the question of when is Sutton going to understand that Lisa doesn't like her? And Lisa tries to explain, no, I do like her. I don't hate her, but, you know, you, Sutton, maybe you pissed me off a few times. But Sutton holds her ground and says, Lisa, you continue to come for me on social media even after we stopped filming this season. We see uh, them going back and forth on Instagram, it looked like, and... Lisa made a comment about how oh yeah that's right Sutton worked her ass off to have the money that's what she's crying you know like whatever it takes a gold digger to no one um you know however you get your cash just own it baby and then Sutton responds to her now Lisa you know that I've known my ex since we were kids don't be doing this and Lisa responds to her okay and so if he stopped paying you mentally then what you'd be in the same spot as Erica what then shrug emoji (laughs) Bitch, what is wrong with you? So Lisa's like, well, I had a rough season. And Sutton's like, I understand, but you didn't lash out at anybody else but me. And at this point, I don't consider you a friend. How can I? So then Sutton reminds Lisa that she was actually there for her a lot when Lois was in hospice, checking in with her, making sure it's all okay. And sometimes she wonders if Lisa forgets that. And then she's like, you know, I was a dead horse and I turned into glue. I mean, I was giving glue to all the schools in LA. (laughs) Then she tells Lisa, I really need an apology. So Lisa says she's sorry. And then Sutton's like, well, it's a pattern of behavior. And Lisa's like, I understand that, but I'm talking to you right now. I am sorry that I took it out on you. I'm sorry I took my pain, anger, sadness, fear. You can accept it if you want or not, but I just want you to know that I am sorry. I'm sorry I took it out on you because I did. And I'm sorry. And Sutton's like, okay, well, thank you. And then Dorit has to be like, I just, for just for a second, I don't understand the glue reference. And then we have to explain that they make glue out of horses hooves. And, you know, for an international bitch, I felt like she should have gotten that. It's not really cosmopolitan of you, Dorit. Then we start to talk about Lisa's social media presence. And... (laughs) Andy uses a very understated set, a statement of telling Lisa that she has no impulse control. Andy calls her out for the fact that she just likes to post wild shit that she has to delete really quickly. How a couple of weeks ago she had said that she was never going to talk about Beverly Hills, never talk about the show again. But literally the day before they started filming the reunion, here she goes again, flapping those lips of hers and was talking shit, posting screenshots of Kathy's text message. Like I'll talk about it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Then they just like, I mean, my God, like the therapizing of Lisa's an impulsive person. And I think that maybe she gets like a dopamine rush out of posting stuff. Like (sighs) what? Andy asked Lisa, if she still gets a dopamine rush, even if it's negative attention, she says she doesn't and that she doesn't like negative attention bullshit bullshit the, probably the biggest lie that i've heard lisa rena say since the last lie she said or certainly since you know kathy's not on the stage yet so let's get ready for that Andy brings up the fact that Lisa was calling out production on social media, posting pictures of Lois, and was like, You guys only dedicated one episode to her misery, and like, I'm grieving, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how she deserved more. And Andy says, Instead of putting that on social media, why wouldn't you just call somebody on production and tell them that they're upset? And they'll shut her fat lips right up. And Erica's too. And Dorit's, thank God. But not Kyle. This is probably the only time I was rooting for Kyle. She's like, well, she wouldn't call production because that would be too easy. <laughs> and she wouldn't get the dopamine rush from that. Amen. Amen. And now we said it. Oh, God. So then Lisa does some big monologue about how she's growing and changing. And she gets better and then she doesn't. And she gets better and then she doesn't. I blanked out. And i just like, let me kick it on over to Google. And just type in Lisa Rinna age, 59 years old, 59 years old, talking about how we just need to give her a chance to let her grow. What?
1: Ma'am. Selling a little or a lot. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Staring down the barrel of 60 with a bunch of diamond chains on and a Kim Zolciak wig. That's sad, baby. Anyway, let's move on. Andy brings up a viewer question about how Lisa posts a lot of shit, including racially, racial microaggressions and how she needs to put, be put on pause. And, like, girl, like, lip syncing for her life. Put me on pause then. I don't care, girl. Lisa, you have never cared about anything more in your life. But, okay. Andy brings up a post that Lisa posted and deleted about how if we fight Garcelle on our show, then all of a sudden we're called racist. Racist excuse me, that's bullshit. See? This is bullshit. Bullshit coming out of me. That's why I burped. That's bullshit. I will not accept that. I'll express myself when and how I want, and I'm not afraid of any of you hoes. So as Andy's reading this, Lisa's saying, like, yeah, that's true. I agree with that. And then she says, well, the hoes part got misinterpreted because she was actually calling the trolls hoes and the haters and not Garcelle. 59 years old. Then... You know, Garcelle has to explain to her cast members that sometimes we have to be careful with our words because it can be perceived differently when it comes to people of color and black people. And so, when you are not really around people in color of people of color and black people, which is something that I think all of the ladies maybe should have listened to. When you don't in your normal lives expose yourself to other different cultures, then you get a lot of blind spots and things like this happened. Like Kyle calling out Garcelle for not paying that charity and how shitty that made her look. And so Garcelle says sometimes things can be said with a racial tone or it can seem like a microaggression. And Crystal's like, yeah, that's how I felt with the conversation with Sutton. And she's like, I know now that that was not Sutton's intention, but the in like that's how the impact was how I felt. So of course Kyle has to chime in and listen. I think people have the misconception, and I think I've contributed to contributed to that myself. That like I will put hands on people. I won't. I don't have the upper body strength. Don't tell anybody. But this is just a secret between me and I. However. If I had that situation, that conversation that Crystal did with Kyle, I would have put hands on her because she really pushed it. She tried it with a capital T and I do not have patience for that shit in my life. Like she really would have gotten her ass mollywhopped. I would have grabbed her by those straps on her dress and you know, whatever happened from there is just what happened. Sorry. But anyway, um, Kyle chimes in and is like, well, the situations are different. And Crystal's like, you have to stop, Kyle. Like, you really have to stop. Kyle says, no, I don't have to stop because you're saying two different things. And you said something that didn't actually exist. Now, Kyle, you weren't there for any of the situation. Not a lick. I feel like it's been very clear. Sutton has made it very clear that they have had a private conversation, which Crystal expresses. Sutton seems to understand that what she said was fucked up she made a public apology towards me because she understood how i felt just like you apologized to garcelle like these women don't want to accept that sutton and crystal are okay and it's weird because this has zero to do with them like not at all and i said it last week i feel like half of those girls don't even really like sutton so what is all this energy for against crystal other than y'all just being some haters. And honestly, like, I think they look at Kyle. I think Kyle looks at Crystal as uh, bait. Like, easy, like an easy target. And like, she could just pick on her and do her mean girl shit. And everything Where work. And Crystal won't say anything. And she just can keep doing this and pushing and pushing and pushing. I don't know what happened during that break. I think Crystal went outside and charged herself under the moon. Because our Crystal was activated. And I was absolutely here for it so kyle then says well the situation with me and garcelle was clean and crystal's like it doesn't have to be clean like your situation stop making it about how you experience it stop it so then kyle decides to tell crystal that what she's saying is not true and crystal's like It is my truth. You just don't understand it and you never will. That's who you are. And then Kyle says, actually, that's not true. And Crystal says, Kyle, you only said that you understood a Garcelle because you didn't want to get in trouble. And that's the truth. (laughs) And that shut her ass right up. I mean, she did say like, no, I didn't. But I mean, that's really it. That was really it. Checked a bitch. And I loved it. So then Andy tries to stop them and it's like, well, I think you guys are having two different conversations, but they shouldn't be. Kyle just refuses to understand what Crystal's saying not because there are two sif- different situations that are actually happening like she just is being intentionally obtuse that that's my opinion. So Erica tries to smooth things over with Crystal and Kyle by saying that there's a generational difference between them and things are changing and it's subtle but there's a big impact and I don't I don't know I, I go back and forth with Erica because sometimes I feel like she gets it. And then sometimes I feel like she really doesn't, which, you know, is not surprising. Like I can't expect everybody to know everything. Um, it just bothers me. It bothers me that like, they just coddle each other with any, they will not hold each other's feet to the fire with anything. It's, even when it comes to race. And I just think that's bullshit. I really do. And also like, I saw a lot of people saying, um, that they're, they were upset with Andy. And I agree. And I'm, well, I, I tweeted like, I'm hoping that Andy was seeing that in the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills hashtag that, uh, most of the people were coming for him more than anybody else. And somebody <laughs> tweeted like, uh, well, his name's trending. So I think he saw it, which is true. True. Amen to that. Um, and I, like I said, I agree. I think, First of all, he seems to have a major fondness for Rena and Erica, and I'm not sure why. Um, not doing it for me, but you can be on the losing team, Mr. Cohen. That's not my problem. Um, but really, like, when it comes to race stuff, like, he is not equipped. He does not have the range to be having these conversations. And... Not to give him credit or uh, defense or anything, but I also just think that these reunions, I have often found they just don't really have the time. Well, I don't even say that they don't have the time. They just don't often tackle serious subjects in a way that's like sensitive. (laughs) I found even when they're not about race. So not to give Andy credit and be like, oh, maybe this is just editing i do think that this has a lot to do with andy i do think that he clearly has like a lot of blind spots when it comes to race relations and i do think that like he was letting whatever fondness that he has for these women um over garcella and crystal blind him and i just thought the whole conversation was like gnarly i didn't like it i really really didn't like it and i really hope that andy takes that into consideration what a lot of black people were saying, like go into the RHOBH uh, tag on Twitter and y'all see, y'all will see what everybody thought. And I, I'm with you guys. I didn't like it. I didn't think it was okay. And he just, he doesn't have the range. He really doesn't. And he's really got to look at it Not only because of the show, just like do it for yourself, my guy, do it for yourself. Please, please, because never mind. Let me not say anything about Andy. (laughs) Let me not reveal things that I know. And don't be DMing me. I'm not going to tell you guys. Okay, just uh, I think given. um, Never mind. Andy just for his own personal life really needs to get it together with his race relations. We'll just say that and you can read between whatever lines that is. So they take a break. And Andy says they're going to do another segment and then Kathy's going to come out. And all of a sudden this, like, dramatic music's playing. <laughs> Kathy, the Suburban's pulling up to the lot. The driver's getting out. And then we just see, like, Kathy in a two-piece robe set and, and uh, slippers. Like, harmless, right? <laughs> Y'all, why was Lisa pacing back and forth like the end of the jinx, like Robert Durst, and I almost thought like maybe this was just like a fake out by editing. But no, the camera, like the ladies are all on set. Some of them are getting glam. Some of them are talking to each other. Andy's texting, whatever. They're all waiting to, to start filming again. And Lisa's just hands behind her back, pacing back and forth, talking to nobody but herself, being like, you know, I just got to tell the truth. I just got to tell the truth. All I have to do is tell the truth. Just talking to herself. Like, there's not even anybody around her where it can even be mistaken that, like, maybe there's somebody who's, like, slightly off camera. No. She is in her own world just being like, just say the truth. That's all I have to do. That's all I have to do. She looked like a psycho. I mean, honestly, like, if she had started belching, I would not have been surprised, truthfully. I. Cannot wait. The clip of Kathy with a bottle of water in her hand doing a Lisa Rinna impression about what happened that fateful night in Aspen will be emblazoned into my memory forever. I don't know if you guys saw this, but they did ask Garcelle during BravoCon, do you feel like Lisa Rinna over-exaggerated the Kathy stuff? And she said, yeah. You guys, this is going to be our Super Bowl. My Super Bowl. God, if Rihanna could come out in the middle of this, it would really be all I ever needed. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I'll probably be back next week with Salt Lake City. You'll have to excuse me. I just didn't have the time today. But uh, yeah, if you guys give me a five star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. You can check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. This week I talk about the crazy, wild Peacock documentary, I Love You, You Hate Me, all about, you guessed it, Barney. <laughs> you think it sounds silly. I'm telling you, it's sillier, but in the best possible way. So check that out. Have a good weekend. Love you.